Max Verstappen, congratulations on your recent win at the Mexican Grand Prix. The Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez is at a very high altitude where the air pressure is greatly reduced. It's been suggested that in order to acclimatise, you spent a week before the race breathing a special gas. Is that correct? No, that is completely untrue. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello. And she's Sarah Leach. Hello. Sarah, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's nice to have you here. You're here because you are a sports journalist who loves F1, am I right? I think so. I do, I do enjoy the F1. Good. Because you've you've got the right place. I was about to say exactly that. We've got the right place. It's good to be here. (laughs) Nice to have you. First of all, a small round of applause, I think, for Lewis Hamilton, five-time world champion. That's a heck of a thing, Zog, isn't it? Five times world champion. He's the new Fangio. He is the new Fangio, yeah. He has equaled Fangio's record of world championships. Five championships is really something quite special. Four is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Five is... Extraordinary. It, no, he's, magic. It is magic. And it's as many world championships as Sir Jackie Stewart, Jim Clark and Sterling Moss had between them. <laughs> uh, granted, Sterling Moss didn't win any. So that's a bit, but it's an incredible thing. And the scary thing is, if you're another F1 driver who wants to win a championship, he's still at the top of his game. Surely this year he's been, if anything, better than ever before. Very consistent. Barely made a mistake. And he's got just as much motivation as anyone else to go again next year. Yeah, the thing about him not making mistakes is really flagged up when you consider Vettel, his greatest rival, messed up at least three times. Or, well, perhaps Ferrari messed up. But, you know, Vettel's made some unfortunate errors this year. And it just proves how good Lewis is I don't think he made any. He failed to finish one race, and I think that was a, a technical issue, wasn't it, rather than yeah, than I, anything. I can't think of anything that he's done this year that you'd say, that was a slip-up, that was a mistake. OK, he ran a little bit wide at one point this weekend. Oh, that um, was a heart-stopping moment. Was, yeah. But, you know, but his, his tyres were going off, and frankly, he didn't have to finish better than seventh in any case to secure the World Championship. So you could excuse him not trying quite hard to stay on track, maybe... Yeah, he's just been so consistent. He's been invulnerable. He must be an intimidating prospect if you're another driver. Especially Valtteri Bottas. Especially Valtteri Bottas. You know what's interesting about Valtteri Bottas? He has not won one Grand Prix this year. He Uh, is the bridesmaid. So the next two races, his goal is to win a Grand Prix for Mercedes. So he keeps saying Lewis Hamilton is a nice bloke. No wonder he thinks that because Lewis Hamilton is very happy to be nice to him. <laughs> because but he gets he's it a back. Man. So will Lewis be nice enough to let him win a race, do you think? Well, he did like, last year, didn't yeah, he? I really hope so. I mean, he's won the championship now. He played it very safe on the weekend. He comfortably came in fourth. Just enough to get the championship, to yeah. get the title locked up. I would like to see Valtteri win, but then there's a few other people I'd like to win. Yeah. <laughs> AKA I, Daniel Ricciardo. I was about to say, are any of them Australians, Sarah? No bias there, no? No bias. Okay, he's Australian, yes, thumbs up. But on top of that, the poor guy. Eight DNFs. That's a record for this season. Wow. Out of any of the drivers, he's had the most 
in complete racism. He's had an absolutely horrendous latter half to the season, and you're in good company here as a, as a Ricardo fan. We, <laughs> we love, love him. Yes. He's, he's a, a very likeable guy, you know, and it's a sad day when Ricardo can't smile. And it's yeah, terrific with yeah. this combination of, you know, he's a very likeable guy, but he's got the talent at the very highest level. I've never bought this line about how nice guys don't win. Just not true. He has the ability to switch. They call him the honey badger. If he's yeah, he really does. engaged, he is ferocious. I think he's probably well, the best overtaker in Formula One at the moment. I think that's probably true. He has a touch in his overtaking. He has this ability to make that very, very fine judgment when he's making an overtaking move that will enable him to make it stick. He'll be going just far enough that he will make the move stick, but there won't be any contact, no. there won't be any drama... It just works. Very unassuming, just comes up and nails it. Yeah, he knows exactly. Has he ever been involved in a sort of a moment where you think that was a bit unfair? He's a nice guy when he he races, you know, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Lots of etiquette. Let me ask you this. As a Ricardo fan, how would you see his prospects for the next few years, though? Because it seems to me that Ricardo has the ability to win championships. You know, he's the kind of driver that can win world championships. But he's going to be up against Verstappen. He's going to have Leclerc and others coming up. And Lewis still isn't done. Yeah, very difficult. He's very much rolling the dice. I think he would love to see the back of that Red Bull car. I don't think he's too enthused to drive the next two races. What did he say last weekend? He said Gasly can drive yeah, it. Yeah, he's yeah, done I'm with it. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. done. He's yeah. drawn a line of the sand. He doesn't want to turn up. He just wants to go home. But the character that he is will probably wake up the next day and he'll be back on it. But he's hoping he comes through and it's a two-year plan with Renault. So let's see how much they can deliver for him. They're working very hard to try and deliver a really good car that he can drive and it is about the car yep. beginning of the year he was going great guns yeah he won in Monaco is that his only other win this year China China as well mm, yeah, of course yeah. yeah let's return to Lewis a moment we'll come back to the title challenges hang on I've got some notes here because my memory is hopeless but here is a list of Lewis's performance during the 2018 season. He won the US Grand Prix. He won in Japan. He came second in Russia, first in Singapore, Italy. Hang on. Yeah, is that right? Third? No, this isn't right. He won in Italy. Hold on. I've brought the wrong piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be right. Rewind. Well, I do know that the weekend just gone was the first weekend in 10 races that he wasn't on the podium. Good job. (laughs) How's that for a stat? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Well, his consistency has been fantastic. And not just over this year. Several people pointed out, you know, when other people were making a lot of fuss about, oh, maybe the championship slipping away from Lewis. Yeah. Give me a break, you know, come on. With three races to go, he just has to finish seventh in one of them. There's no way that's not going to happen. Over the last four years, he's only failed to finish three or four races. Wow. The, The chance that he wouldn't finish the next three races in the points was just so vanishingly small, it's not even worth worrying about. You get this as an Australian. I see Lewis as a surfer. Right, if I can use an Australian analogy. Um, (laughs) Because he surfed a wave, I think. He came into F1 at a time when... In fact, even before he was in F1, when he was in GP2, he was in the ART team. And ART were one of the top two teams. They seemed to be in in GP2. He was with Manor when he was in Euro Formula 3, who were on form. He came into F1 with McLaren, who were impeccable in those days. And then jumped ship to Mercedes. His first year at Mercedes wasn't everything he would have hoped it to be. 
but he timed it so that wave really what's the surf term for when a wave really peaks and uh, you're riding you're, the you're, optimum when you're, when you're in the green room the green room <laughs> in the tube he rode that tube didn't he and he's yeah. still riding the tube even others in the same tube as him yeah. Bottas can't stay on the board in the way that Lewis does Bottas for me at the moment is a little bit vanilla like you look at Rosberg when he was up against Lewis Hamilton Rosberg really gave it to him yeah, and yeah. he did everything that he could to overcome his nemesis which in the end was Lewis Hamilton and he's the only driver in the last six years to have Correct. broken Lewis's run yeah. that takes a hell of a job it's a hell of a job to do that as you say and I can't help thinking that one of the factors probably in Rosberg's retirement was that having just beaten Lewis over a year, I think he knew he could just never do it again. Yeah. It was just never going to happen. Yeah. I'm done, man. I think that's, that's yeah, just really... It's, it's, I've spent he every went last high. nuance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's also the probably that he just didn't love the racing as much as Lewis does, mm. um, as much as Vettel does. Yeah, I, I'm sure that was part of it as well, but I just kind of feeling that he'd given his all and it had actually worked, but he knew that it was never going to happen again. So, Sarah, we're biased, we're Brits, right? <laughs> we love Lewis because he's a Brit. Even though he sounds like an American, he is a Brit. We know that. As someone who isn't British, how do you feel about him? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. I, for a while, I didn't really know him that well the last couple of years. I, he hasn't really been someone that I've shone to because he's a rapper one week and then he's like a fashion designer the other week yeah. and then he comes on and he performs. But this year, I've really taken to him and because he's very gracious in his successes. He's very gracious in defeat. He's a gentleman on and off the track and I just think he's a class act and I actually think he genuinely, definitely deserves his five times world championships and that's my opinion I mean I've been listening to a lot of podcasts aside from this one of course and you know a lot of the media and, and the Brits love him obviously you know if it was an Australian up there I'd be more Even than delighted happy, but course. yeah he is a class act class athlete and he's done all these other things off the track that isn't what every other driver does but that's part of his success so I do like Lewis Hamilton I do I really do I wouldn't say he's my all-time favorite because there's so many drivers out there with some tremendous stories he can be a little bit hard to kind of warm to sometimes I think so it's taken me a while to warm in, to him <laughs> yeah but like I say he absolutely is a class act and he's often very very genuine if slightly sort of careful I think in, in what he says about his racing and about what's going on and recalling past racing experiences. I think a driver should be magnanimous in victory and gracious in defeat. Mm. And OK, in that case, respect to Vettel for that reason, because Vettel was yes, lovely he, with Lewis I at the last race. I was surprised. I didn't expect to see that, because Vettel, in many other occasions, has not behaved that way. So good for Vettel. He's turned a corner. I thought he was going to yeah, kiss I, Lewis I at one point. Yeah, he sort of put their arms yeah, around each other. I thought, this is yeah, it, good. the man-on-man action that yeah. so many people want to see. Or is it just me? That's no, it's just <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, your, that's your particular fantasy, F1, <laughs> Gareth. That's, that's this. <laughs> no, really Let's keep it locked away, that little... Uh, I want to see woman-on-woman woman action in Formula... No, I actually <laughs> want to see women in Formula 1, but that's, that's another that's conversation. Yeah, yeah. OK, so Lewis has done it this year. Is he going to do it next year? Definitely? Or most likely? Or oh. probably? Oh, it would be a... 
50-50 chance. I think he's definitely up there. I think he's definitely wanting to probably surpass Michael Schumacher. Yeah, he does. You would would think. So he's still very hungry. He's in his form of his life. He's even said it a couple of times that this has been his best season. Yeah, it wasn't easy this year because the resurgent Ferrari gave him a run for his money, didn't they? For mm, 40% of the season, maybe even more, Ferrari had the quicker car. Mm. I think Lewis relishes that, as do Mercedes, because Mercedes, they don't want to be seen to be the only team in Formula One. They want to win a meaningful championship, don't they? I like the way they've been going racing. I like the way that Toto Wolff has been leading that team. And apart from on a couple of occasions when necessity required otherwise, they let their drivers race. Mm, and they do, that's yeah, what we yeah. want to see. Mm. You know, we don't want to see team orders used too ham-fistedly. They've used team orders when they had to, but it's been very, very sparing. They've let their drivers get on with it, and we've enjoyed watching that. But, I mean, as for next year... <sighs> 60-40? I mean, yeah. For Lewis? Probably, yeah. yeah. He is probably... Okay, who's the 40 then? Is it Vettel or Leclerc? Or is it Daniel Ricciardo in the red <laughs> <laughs> Every Australian will say Daniel Ricciardo. But I think Leclerc is definitely... Is that how I say it? Leclerc? Yeah, some people <laughs> say Leclerc. Some people say Leclerc. Leclerc but yeah, Leclerc. I would yeah. say he's, for my eyes, he's definitely one to watch. Mm. I think he's a very talented driver. Yeah, clearly is. And next year we're going to really get a chance to see what he can do. Because Ferrari... They should be still right up there. And, yeah, so we're going to really get a chance. What will be interesting as well is the, I guess, the camaraderie between Vettel and Leclerc. Yeah, yeah. Because Vettel really didn't like it when Daniel Ricciardo came up and joined the Red Bull team, the top team, and Daniel outraced him. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Vettel gets a run for his own money. I wonder whether now that Vettel has four championships, maybe he's got a bit more kind of self-confidence or maybe he's just in a slightly better place to not feel so threatened by a younger talented driver then but he again had, he maybe had, that's just in the makeup of every driver that but, so you I'll, hate to have a teammate who can beat you but he had won four championships when Ricardo joined them at Red Bull and it was only one season with Ricardo and Vettel at Red Bull where mm. he was beaten by Ricardo. you're right you yeah. have entirely destroyed my arguments. sorry man I sorry. withdraw my previous point <laughs> I, uh, and I, I throw myself on the mercy of the court so uh, Ricardo ain't going to win it next year could well, Max do it because they got Honda engines who knows every single time the Red Bull car has broken down this season Christian Horner has blamed Renault is that a scapegoat we don't know be very interesting to see what the Red Bull car will be like next year but definitely Max Verstappen he would be a likely contender if that Red Bull car will deliver and as far as Daniel goes, he's in the Renault car, which is apparently a two-year plan. So he expects to be probably, you know, sixth, seventh every week next year with the idea that they'll really come alive as the team progresses. And they are putting a lot of resources into that team. And Renault has won before. They, yes, won, they won with Fernando Alonso. Yeah, twice. So it's happened before. It can happen again. Oh, but I just have a feeling that Honda are on more of an upward trajectory at the moment, development-wise. I think that Honda engine is going to have an edge over the Renault engine next year. And so I'm not sure that Ricardo's move is going to work out so well for him. I'd love it if it did. Uh, I wouldn't have thought in the next 12 months. That might be a bit unrealistic, but he knows that. In two or three years' time, it'll Maybe. be different. Yeah. yeah, you've got to think slightly longer term than just next year. The truth is, I think F1's in really good shape. The combination of drivers going to new teams, new engines, I mean the Honda, turning out to be 
a useful donkey in the back, hooray, at last, means that next season, if it's as good as this season, we're all happy. Surprise. Valtteri, what are you doing here, man? Congratulations on five World Championships, Louis. This is your surprise party. Right! Where is everyone? It's just me. Oh. Party on, dude. Okay. Here, have a cheesy what's it. Uh, no thanks, man. Are you having a good time? Not really. Are you? Oh, for sure. This is off the hook. Okay, I'm gonna split. Yeah, me too. I don't think this is the best party ever. I wanted to go myself a few minutes ago. So, why didn't you just go then, Valtteri? Because Mercedes said I had to let you go first. You'll know that on this podcast we're big fans of the work of car designer Ian Callum. Over many years he's had a hand in the design of some gorgeous pieces of automotive sculpture. He's worked for Ford, TWR, Aston Martin and since 1999 is Director of Design for Jaguar Cars. The Ford Puma, the RS200, the Aston Martin DB7, the Jaguar F-Type and countless other cool cars including the latest electric Jag, the I-Pace, are all the result of Callum's keen eye and smooth handwork. Add to that his love of old V8 hot rods and being a passionate David Bowie fan, then you could see that Ian is our kind of guy. So when I was invited to attend an event that he was speaking at last week, I jumped at the chance and even managed to catch a few minutes to chat to him before his presentation began. The event was billed as the electrified automotive future and its relationship to architecture. So I asked Ian, how will the switch to EVs change architecture? And why is he talking about this? Well, I'm speaking about it because I have the I-Pace here and I'm going to talk about the I-Pace and how it came about and how we designed it and shaped it. But the whole architecture thing came about because I have two or three friends who are architects and big companies and quite well established and they drive electric cars into work. Let's just say they have Porsche 911s at home, but they get the electric cars into London yep. for a number of reasons. And architects on the whole, modern architects, do have a social conscience about sustainability and that's clear if you talk to any architect and thinking up new, wonderful ways of building houses in a very sustainable way. I mean, that is the future. We have to do that. And it just occurred to me, talking to those friends of mine, that the whole mentality of an architect is exactly the right clientele that we want for our eyepieces. They're not the least expensive cars in the world. They do cost a few bob. Mm -hmm. But we reckon some of these more established architects would be perfect transport for them. So I'm trying to build up a relationship 
with the architectural world and make sure they know about it. And one of the ideas we came up with was let's get together with some of the RIAB, uh, the RIBA guys, you know, the Royal Institute of British Architects, and see if we could instigate a discussion about the other side of it, which is the charging infrastructure. I've designed the car, and I have one. I've done nearly 5,000 miles in it now. I love it. It's an amazing thing. But, you know, the infrastructure, it's not the best thing in the world in this country at the moment. And we need to really focus on how that's going to move forward. And it is moving forward. But I think if we get some creative architects involved, they would come up with some more imaginative ideas to really instigate a little bit of enthusiasm. You're not just talking about the design of the charging points, the physical design. You're talking about how they integrate into the environment. Because architecture is so much more than simply putting Lego blocks together. It's it's about creating an atmosphere. You're an architect of car design, Uh, ultimately, aren't you? Yes, I am. And it's about creating an atmosphere. And yes, it's about creating destinations. Now, when you go and charge a car, this is not a 10-minute pump in the car and off you go again. There'll be times when you're there for maybe up to 40 minutes Mm -hmm. under current technology. Of course, it's going to get quicker, but currently it'll be a 40-minute stop for a lot of people. And you want to create somewhere where they actually want to be. Now, on the whole, service stations are not the most wonderful places in the world. Some of them are better than others. But it's a place they want to be. It's a place you want to take the family or you want to go and work on the gym for 40 minutes or you want to go and have a meal or coffee and donuts. The only thing I warn is that you could get quite fat doing this business. (laughs) But, you know, let me tell you a story. I drove to Scotland in mine, a couple of journalists, and it was a bit of an adventure. First time, stopped at Lancaster Service, the M6. We got charged up. It stopped after 40 minutes, which was slightly frustrating, so we stopped somewhere else. And we went off-piste into the Lake District, and we found a garden centre, and we charged up there as well. On the way down, we went to Liddles, who seemed to have a lot of those charging units, and we had to go find some tea because it was a 40-minute wait. Uh-huh. So we found this little Italian restaurant that played opera and sold cupcakes about half a mile away in this station. Now, you would never have found these places uh-huh. if you'd just been dashing up down the motorway and going to the BP station, would you? So it's an adventure, and it's actually a lot of fun. Did it take a bit longer? Yeah, but you know what? It was a really fun journey we had. I've had a similar experience. I've driven Teslas over the last few years, and they place many of their, not all, but many of their charging points, their superchargers, at posh hotels. Yes. So the Tesla system is beautiful. You turn up, it recognises your car, there's no waving of cards, you plug it in, and you go and have a nice sandwich, and you can walk the grounds. Of course. Has that been an inspiration? Are you aware of how Tesla have Yes, absolutely. They're very aware of how Tesla tackle it. And unfortunately, Jaggy and Land Rover are not going to have their own specific charging mm. points. But we have tied up with Chargemaster, mm-hmm. who have now been bought with by BP. But, you know, I think what's got to be understood is that when you go to these, you have to hold people's attention in a good way, in a positive way, for more than just 10 minutes. So the way that Tesla have done it and getting people into luxury hotels and spending even more money, I'm sure the hotels are delighted. And, you know, I think it's very much part of the new way of travelling. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. You know, if you're doing a three, 400-mile journey, stopping for half an hour is not a bad thing. You know, when I was 25, I would not stop. It wasn't manly to stop and have a cup of tea or whatever. You know, you kept going. Well, but, Richard but, Porter needs to stop every 45 minutes to use the loo. He's got a bladder <laughs> like a walnut. So the first priority would be put a toilet near your charging point. Well, of course, yes. Yeah. Coffee? And, and coffee, absolutely. Meals. Yeah. Gymnasium. Fun yeah. arcades for kids. You know, you're going to have two or three kids with you, possibly. Uh-huh. So you have to have all this entertainment. And we haven't gone into great detail about this yet, but the architects here have come up with some really nice ideas. And also transporting old buildings into very positive buildings that are there to charge a car, but also to entertain. And there's a reason to be there. 
you have to charge a car. Yeah. So it's just a way to instigate the thought that this is not a case of a building a petrol station. Yeah. It is quite different. Yeah. The whole process, the whole culture of driving a car in distance now will have to change. And it's inevitable, by the way. You know, I'm a petrol head. You know me. I've got V8 hot rods and all the rest of it. But I am utterly sold in this. Mm. And electric cars are coming. There's no debate. Oh, I think they're here. For some of us, already, yeah. They are yeah. here. They're certainly here for me. But, you know, this is not maybe, you know, we'll see in 10 years' time. No. Within five years, we'll see the flip. I'm quite sure about that. How has your culture changed then as a driver as a user of the electric car someone who stops and recharges how has it changed you as a person i am much calmer you know i like to drive cars pretty quick as i say i've probably got three or four v8s in my family of cars but the car itself is very calming because there's no resonance there's no noise it's just very very svelte it's also very relaxing because it's extremely quick Mm -hmm. you know and i think Mm. when you've got that power at your foot you do feel more relaxed because you can dive in and out of situations much easier. So my own personal sort of ambience and feeling about it is really calmed down. And also the idea that I'm going to stop somewhere and actually enjoy that moment for 30 minutes to myself or 40 minutes doing what I want to do. It may be reading a book, you know. It's actually just calmed me down. You want a jukebox full of Bowie tracks, surely. I would want that, yes. That's what That's you what want. want. Yeah. That's another idea. <laughs> a jukebox full of Bowie tracks. Slade for me. Slave. Same period, different artists, yeah. yeah. Going back a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the same as you, I think. Yeah, but why not? You know, and entertainment's got to be about enjoying the moment. Mm. And, and, you know, today's life, enjoying that half an hour in your own time, it doesn't happen very often, does it? No, it's a good excuse to stop. So it is an excuse to stop and enjoy yourself. I think you're actually talking about recharging not just the car, but the driver too. The driver, yeah, absolutely. And I drive to Scotland a lot. Goodness knows I'm up and down that M6 probably 10, 15 times a year. And so my driving habit has changed slightly. I don't mm. belt up there in one shot anymore. Mm. You know, I take time and it's much more relaxing. Are you a fan of architecture? Is that something that gets your yeah, attention as a design man? Well, what's your yeah, period then, Art Deco? I love modern architecture. I love really bang up to date architecture that's thoughtful. The thing about modern architecture now, it's very thoughtful. It's all about the function growing from inside yep. to the aesthetic outside. Yep. A little bit of how cars are actually going to end up going as well. Yeah, it, Wasn't um, it the Lloyds building that led that way in the 80s? Yeah, it was uh, the Lloyds building very much in that vein. But I like the intelligence of modern architecture. And I like the idea that people are investigating and looking at new materials to work and the efficiency of materials. When you mm. think of how we build buildings now with bricks and mortar, it's really quite archaic, actually. They were doing that 3,000 years ago, whatever it was. So we are at a level now in architecture that I see, as a layman, it's moving on strides into a completely different world, which I find quite exciting. And an exciting time for us car fans as well. It requires a culture change for a lot of people, but once Mm. you're bitten by the electric car bug, once you've experienced it, there's almost no turning back. There's not. I'm so taken by mine. I don't really want to drive any. I do have another few cars, of course, but older ones. I enjoy them for other reasons. But I'm completely smitten by it. Mm. And do you know why? They're quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. not to six. That initial takeoff from the traffic lights, I've left a couple of M4 standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the figure for 0 to 62 it's on just, the iPad? It's just over four seconds. <laughs> you see? But you know, this is a cooking family car. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not meant to be a hot rod. Uh-huh. But it's not that not to 60, it's that not to 25, not to 100. It's untouchable. With no wheel spin, because it puts all the traction there. It all goes, it's just wonderful, and it's so smooth. And you know the nice thing about it is, when you take off in a conventional car with an engine, you're hugely aware of the fact that this engine is getting revs up 
through its mechanical, and it, some of them do very quickly, but there's a stress that goes with that. And that psychologically, subconsciously comes into you, into your body and into your mind. With this car, you don't have any of that. It's just instant torque. As a designer, are you constrained by the needs of an electric platform or liberated? Well, in the case of iPACE, which is a pure electric platform, we call it a skateboard, hugely liberated. I mean, that car is the shape it is because of the electric platform. I couldn't create the shape of that car on a conventional platform. It's impossible. Not even a transverse front-wheel drive car can be of this proportion, with this amount of power, that is. So it's very liberating. And the amount of space we can create inside is quite extraordinary, actually. And what would Mr Lyons say about the way that his cars have evolved into electric creatures as opposed to, you know, smelly, breathing, visceral <laughs> cats? I think he would fully approve. I really do. And it's always a point of measure for me. What would the man think? What would Lyons think of this? And I think about that in every car I work on. I think he would fully approve. You know, he was an innovator. You know, and he wasn't nostalgic. I think people get caught up this idea that Jaguar's about nostalgia and it's about something of the past. And it really is not about that. He was not nostalgic. Every car he did was actually very different and very new. The original XJ was a phenomenal car, best in the world. And so he'd look at this and think, yeah, about time. That's what you'd think. I think we're nostalgic about the days when we were innovators. I mean, Concord, I know. Well, uh, for it's instance. Back. There's a lot of innovation in this country. Yeah. You know, if you look at the Formula One world, where does it come from? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all the UK. So we can't dismiss the fact that it might not be that apparent, but if you actually look into the depth of the creativity in this country, it is phenomenal. But you've just got to look a bit deeper than normal. It may not be aeroplanes or cars all the time, but in this case it is a car. But, you know, there's a lot of intellect in this country that's being creative. And the Brits are great at this stuff because they're rebellious, you know? They have irreverence. They don't really care for the past very much. That's that's, that's irony. You know, we can be nostalgic with some things, but, you know, we are natural rebellious people who just want to break all the rules. Yeah, yeah. Don't we? I agree. Yes, absolutely. I'm very much part of that. We know this. (laughs) One last question. The people who are coming to speak here tonight, are these going to be young architects? Are these going to be older people? No, you know? younger younger architects. Some are a bit more established than others, but, yeah, they're pretty young people, certainly younger than I am. And does that make you nervous? I mean, they're specialists. You're yeah. slightly outside of your specialist oh, field. I love that. You anxious? Not at all. No, no, it's fine. I've seen what they've done, and I totally approve of it, and they've seen what we've done. And I've got their attention now because they think the electric car is the right thing, and they've got my attention. No, it'll be a nice evening. It'll be quite chatty, I think. But no, I don't get nervous of new stuff. I love it. Ian, lovely to talk to you. Looking forward to the chat tonight. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Right then, this new directive we've had from our new owners, the PSA Group, says that they want people to know that Vauxhall cars are now under French management. So let's have your ideas on the table of how we can achieve that. Well, the best idea might be to give any new Vauxhall Opel cars a slightly French flavour in their names. I like it. Strong idea. So, what you got? Well, the new 4x4, which has to have a strong image, could be called the Vauxhall Conqueror. I don't get it. You know, like William the Conqueror. Oh, very clever. I like it. How about our sporty models, then? Well, we thought instead of VX series, we'd call our performance cars Rally Sport Vauxhall Performance. What's French about that? 
Well, if you just use the initial letters of Rally Sports Vauxhall Performance, you get RSVP. Bloody clever. <laughs> Our upmarket model at the top of the range, we suggest we call the Grosvenor. Grosvenor? What? That's about as English as you could get. Not so. In fact, Grosvenor is actually a French word. It means le gros venor. The Great Hunter. Oh, that really is excellent. British sounding, yet French at the same time. Genius. This is all very, very good. Now, um, I think that just about covers all our new models. Oh, apart from the small hatch. Now, people who buy cars in this category, they're not that adventurous. So what we need is a safe sounding name that's slightly familiar. How about... The Vauxhall Deja Vu. Gee, I'm sure we've used that before. We're two races from the end of Formula One 2018 at the moment, which means our attention turns towards other things on the horizon. Formula E is about to start. But something which hit the news in the last couple of weeks we haven't talked about in the programme yet is W Series, which sounds like it should be a wrestling series, but it isn't. It's a (laughs) motorsport series for women. Good idea, Sarah. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> oh, but do you? Yeah, yeah. Look, look. It has been a widely debated topic as soon as it hit the press, and there was a lot of unhappy campers. But overall, my personal opinion is, I think it's a very good thing. I think it's a tremendous thing for the sport, and anything that encourages more women and girls to get involved in motorsport is a fantastic thing. Anything that encourages the development, the growth, to get more women involved is a huge positive. And good on the FIA for supporting it. And it's backed by a guy called Sean Wadsworth. He sold off a recruiting company for over £200 million and he's used 20 of that million to invest in the W Series. And so it'll be a fully funded series. All the cars will be the same. There'll be no privateers. So all the engineers will all be, you know, of the same calibre. So there'll be no real advantage between the teams. But what they'll be doing is recruiting eight very talented young women, or age actually isn't a barrier. Anyone can line up. They will be run through their paces before they pick the top 18. And they'll presumably be drawing on junior racing series. Yes, they'll be drawing on sheer talent. So my understanding is that a lot of the girls that will trial for it to be part of the top 18 that will come on this series will be run through fitness tests. They'll be given you know, car tests and things like that to get them in to this top tier that they're looking for. And then once they're in that top tier, you've got guys like David Coulthard, who will be a bit of a mentor for these girls, you know, a bit of a car racemanship, if you would say. They've got Adrian Newey, Red Bull engineer extraordinaire. So he will give them some technical understanding and teach some of the girls. And Matt Bishop from McLaren. Yeah, from McLaren, formerly Autosport. Yeah, uh, he'll give them some media training. So for these girls, in my eyes, it's a participation thing. It has belittled some of the girls that are already achieving out there in motorsports. Someone like Jamie Chadwick, you know, she's... she's she won an F3 race, didn't she? She was yeah, the first... first female to win yeah. in British yeah. F3. There is a driver at the minute who is transgender called Charlie Martin. Really? Who started off life as a bloke and is now 
a woman and is racing, I think, forgive me if I got this wrong, in, is it Janetta series or somewhere? Now, I wonder if she is eligible for this series in this age of transgender opportunities. That's, that's a question I that's a, yeah, that's a <laughs> tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. I might sideline okay. myself. I mean, I, my initial thought on hearing about W Series was that whilst I mean I absolutely agree that we want to encourage people into the sport, particularly people that for whatever reason haven't had the same opportunities as a lot of the usual car drive drivers and that it's a good thing to encourage more women into the sport. But my concern was does it run the risk of slightly kind of almost sidelining women drivers because if you set up a series like this doesn't it implicitly say well you can't compete on an even footing with male drivers therefore we're going to create this other series which we know isn't the case yeah, we know no, that women I, I drivers can be as good as exactly male drivers. But, and, and that's one reason why i do really love motorsport because it's the one of the sports in the world aside from maybe croquet where women and men can yeah. compete on an even playing field and women can achieve against the men so i think it's fantastic so you've got this extraordinarily amazing parity between the genders where all these female drivers are racing against the men and they're doing really well. By no means will this W Series become a women's series on its own. I think the idea is to become more of a feeder system and get more girls involved in the sport because the reality is, look at all the women's sport that's going on in the world. There's football and there's women's rugby and there's women's cricket. Motorsport might be in danger of falling behind if well, they don't find a way to get more girls in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, so, I mean, I think it certainly seems to be true and you would have a better perspective on this as a professional sports journalist with a broader take on these things but yeah, it seems to me that maybe that male sports fans are becoming more open-minded about watching women's sports that there's a bit more of an acceptance of women's cricket and women's football for example so you're absolutely right true that women's sport is generally on the up but I still wonder quite what W Series can achieve because if it's trying to feed more women into F1 I'm a little bit sceptical that it really can fill the gap because surely what's prevented most women drivers getting any further is money more than it's, anything else yeah, if you exactly. can attract it's, money it's funding. these girls are all capable and it is about actually finding the talent and getting the drive so whoever wins these girls will come in they may not come in with big sponsorship dollars behind them but they'll get but it this will showcase their, yeah, and this give was, them a chance this, this to was, attract yeah, more showcase their talent and yeah. whoever wins there's big prize money involved I think there's about 1.5 million between in prize money stakes but it, it will hopefully foster raw talent and give them the opportunities that a driver that doesn't have a lot of money behind them but they have the raw talent that can be nurtured and pushed up into the top Hmm. it's more than just money though the reason that there are far more professional male racing drivers than female racing drivers is that more blokes get into motorsport than women it's a demographic thing absolutely there are many factors i think that's certainly one of them and i think what this does i'm for it actually i'm for it i think it's a step up i think it's positive discrimination in the same way that politics in government in television there's been positive discrimination towards groups which aren't normally represented on screen has even things up so we now have more women more people of color more people of different background in powerful positions and that's a 
much healthier place to be. The same thing will happen in motorsport. I don't care what it takes to get more women in Formula One or any motorsport. All I want is more talent in motorsport. The mm. best will rise to the surface. Now, the cars that they're driving, they're Tatus Formula 3 cars. These, uh, mm. I think, German F3 cars. I'm not sure what the engine yeah. is. Is it Honda it's engine? It's a 1.8 turbo. Yeah. So these are going to be quick sort of F3 level cars. And yeah. we've seen drivers in the past... I'm thinking Max Verstappen, Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button who made the leap directly from Formula 3 to Formula 1. They didn't go via what was GP2 and is now Formula 2. It can happen. If someone rises to the top and is clearly ahead of the pack, they'll get the support and the sponsorship and they'll get picked up. Mm. And I'm sure every Formula 1 team would welcome, at the moment, (laughs) even Williams, would welcome a driver who comes with funding because Formula 1 is such an impossibly expensive thing to Mm. compete in without funding. So I think this is genuinely healthy. But there are those who've spoken against it. And so I think there's been some very uh, successful so, racing so, drivers. Yeah, Pippa Mann. Yeah. Uh, Says so she, she wasn't. A couple of the female drivers that are out there at the moment have disagreed with it. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. they may not see. For me, I kind of see the holistic picture mm. and see the sport as a whole and see it as a real positive thing. And in my mind, to get more female role models out there. Mm-hmm. And knowledge is powerful. Mm. For these girls to learn about engineering and motorsports and all those kind of things. In fact, on the topic of that do you know the current queen queen elizabeth she was a mechanic oh yeah yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. land rovers she's a distant relative of yours isn't she somehow <laughs> well yes. this girl is related to the royal family you know that do, well, seriously I, I do now yeah, yeah. if i can just trivialize that actually very interesting fact well, they, they, I mean, this, this, you know, sort of... go back far enough we're all related yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> true enough <laughs> do you know when the series starts is it running it's next year may so it will be a support series the DTM like the German touring cars Gerhard Berger he is running the DTM so the W series will be a support series to the DTM and it will start in May Mm. and it will be throughout Europe and I think there will be one race at Brands Hatch and with the idea to next year and the following years to expand into Australia and Asia and America you know, they mm. might find the next Danica Patrick. So the idea well, is to get them into so. get yeah. them into Indy cars, get them into Formula One, and it would be a huge asset for Formula One to have a successful female driver. And could you imagine the dynamic with people like Lewis Hamilton? And it would be it, very. It interesting. would be great. I mean, and people who've only watched the sport in the past few years might not remember or know that there have been women F1 drivers on the grid in the past. Oh, I mean, 100%. not for a very long time. I mean, it's... it's yeah. uh, was it, it was about... I mean, 1978? Yeah, yeah. Leila Lombardi. Who's your favourite? She yeah. raced 17 races between 1974 and 1976. She raced in Spanish Grand Prix in 1975. Yeah. And she was the first woman since... I think it's Maria Teresa de... De Philippus? Yes, correct. Yes. So she got half a point at the Spanish Grand Prix in 1975. Mm. So well done, Leila Lombardi. (laughs) But females have been so ill-represented since. So it'll be great to see some more. What I'm excited about is to get more female role models in there because a young girl can say, wow, look what she's doing, I can do that too. The role model point I think is a very good one and, and I mean, having expressed you know, a bit of scepticism about whether the series will work as intended, I hope it works out and I hope it's a successful series for sure. And it'd be great if it does 
bring some talent through. I think so, but I wouldn't want to take away from the Jamie Chadwicks of the world, who definitely should, of most importance, still make sure that they are driving against the best racers out there, because she's a racer as much Mm. as she's an ambassador. But she's supporting the series herself, but... She's a racer. A racer, whether you're a male or female, you want to race against the best because yeah. you want to be the best. And that should genuinely, at the end of the day, be the attitude that they take. It's really confusing that she's called Jamie, which for most people <laughs> sounds like a bloke's name. She's got to change her name to Rebecca or Florence or uh, Alexandra or... No, she doesn't. I've just yeah, been facetious, yeah. believe me. Yeah. I can't thank you enough, Sarah. You have upped our female representation on the programme by at least... 33% on this programme thank oh, you very much today thank you for having me I've really had a good time so um, well you just come back been... another time before we go have you. two short things before we go um, the season isn't quite over we've got two more races yeah. and Mercedes haven't yet tied up the championship they have not they haven't are they going to do it or if Lewis has taken his foot off the throttle now could Ferrari actually get the Constructors' Championship so I think Mercedes are going to get the constructors as well, but yeah, but who knows? My money would be on Mercedes. I think Mercedes, definitely. I think Ferrari won't go down without a fight. Yeah. I think Vettel even perhaps tried to keep the title fight going for another week. You know, at least if they could die with dignity. Let's hope it goes to the very, very last race of the season, because that's what we want. The championship is over for drivers, but we want a valid reason to watch those races, and the Constructors' Championship is all to play for. That's almost it. The very last thing is to say goodbye. You've been listening to Zog. Goodbye. To Sarah. Goodbye. I was Gareth, and we're going to leave you with a tune. We used to have anthems at the start of the show in the very early days, and being as Lewis has won his fifth championship, here's Lewis's anthem. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding for the national anthem of Brackley and Britsworth. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang.